0: Welcome. Thanks for being with us today. So glad you found us. If this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you and say thanks for being with us. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you. And, but together, we're grateful that we can lean into this first Sunday after Easter and where we've celebrated an incredible week and are grateful for just all that God continues to do. Last night, we had a team that served at St. Luke's and did an amazing job. We're just grateful we can partner with St. Luke's Point of Grace. Uh, They offer a community meal almost every Saturday night and we get the opportunity three, four, five times a year to serve and love on our neighbors and had fun last night actually handing out uh, some hygiene packets just to share with those that that came through. Just a way to bless those that we had a chance to serve. And then I wanna just say how grateful I am for the investment you all have made. Uh, We've been able to partner with our presbytery. They offered a matching challenge grant to support a ministry in uh, Romania that's working to help the refugees from Ukraine. And so I think we have raised just shy of $500 and we've sent that off to the presbytery and you can still click on the give button above if you'd like to share with that. But I think presbytery wide, we are close to having raised the $15,000 which means we will be sending $30,000 to this ministry that works with families, specifically children that have been caught in the war-torn area there. And then I want to share too that we had an opportunity to facilitate a conversation. This is the, I believe, the fourth one that we've had within the Presbytery as we continue to explore what it is that God's doing in this new season. It was a great lunch that was hosted at Ashland First with uh, some of our churches from of this region, sort of the west side of, of the Muskingum Valley Presbytery. But there's a link here too if you want to take a look at some of the things we're talking about. of Just how do we build a ministry opportunities within our Presbytery to meet the needs of churches, but at the same time find an opportunity to grow and to make a presence of the kingdom in such an incredible way in our communities. So you can continue to pray for us as we lean into. There's another conversation that's been already scheduled for next month, I believe it's May 11th, where we're gonna gather at Seville Presbyterian Church. Again, it's been useful to just have this dialogue about what it means to be the church and realizing that how much the life has changed as we come out of this global pandemic and just all the other things that we've experienced in these last many months. We're beginning a new series. It's called Come and See, Go and Tell, the idea of witness. And this week I want to just unpack some fundamental ideas around this idea of what it means to be a witness. Part of the reason for this conversation is in my dialoguing with people who are members of our sister churches throughout the presbytery. There is this idea the world has changed so much and that our churches feel as though they don't know how to connect with their communities. And partly it it comes because of what happened with the global pandemic, but I also think that the methods by which we communicate the gospel uh, has to change. That as we think about what's necessary in our world today and the idea of what it means to be a witness, to be able to offer something to others about this experience that we've had. I mean, we are here on this Sunday, the first Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, where we celebrate all that Jesus did for us And at the same time, we think about the needs in our communities and last week we had our students share with us as we began our worship experience, reading John chapter 20, where they talked about the empty tomb and and the experience that uh, Mary had as she uh, ran to tell the disciples. And so here in just the next verse, we pick up with John chapter 20 verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so this week, what I wanted to talk about is how do we be a witness in a world that's just kind of crazy, a warring world, a world that's sort of upside down. Now, when we talk about the word witness, it can be kind of scary. Witnessing is about how we share the gospel. But I want us to see that our witness is much more than that. And when we think of the word in the context of a trial, the word witness, what is the job of a witness? Well, the job of a witness is to bear testimony, to tell the truth about a particular situation. So what I want us to see in this first week as we talk about witness, come and see, go and tell, is I don't have to tell you that there is a world outside the walls of our buildings, outside of the walls of our homes, that is really kind of upside down. And that's just the same kind of reality that even the disciples were facing some 2,000 years ago. There's a lot of similarities between where they were and where we are. So you see, we're not just witnessing as in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, But our witness is something that we're trying to offer to the world that just doesn't understand. And I want you not to miss this moment that we're in, that we don't pause the mission that we're on. We need to be a witness to a worrisome world. We need a a witness that is available to all to see that there's nothing to be afraid of. So I want to look at four things this morning that are out of this passage here in John chapter 20 that I think will help us unpack and maybe even help us think a little bit more deeply about how we might have this bold witness today. There's four things I want to take out of the text, and so the number one here is this. It starts with this. Fear silences a witness, and here's what I mean by that. Read again. On the evening of the first day of the week, so we know it's Sunday night, right? Jesus has been resurrected. It's later that night. It's been reported, but not everyone has believed, but the disciples are together. And they were actually in hiding, the scriptures tell us. They were hiding because they were afraid. It actually says this when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So here they are, they're in hiding, they have hidden themselves away, they're trying to avoid everything. They didn't want to be caught or captured or brought to trial themselves because of what they just experienced. They hadn't yet walked into the full confidence that Jesus was indeed back from the dead, that he had resurrected that his death on the cross for their sin that was in their place instead, that that ultimately resulted in his victory over sin and over death. That's what Resurrection Sunday was all about. So the first thing we see here as we hear the disciples is there is a fear that is silencing their witness. And yet I want to remind you of a bigger picture. And this is a concept that I'm borrowing from a gentleman by the name of Ed Stetzer who's at the Billy Graham Center. And I just love what what Ed has unpacked here for this simple phrase, and it's going to be the key concept that we're going to lean into the rest of the morning together. The moment we're in does not pause the mission we are on. Think about that. The moment we're in does not pause the mission we are on. Why would that be? Well, they might not have had the full confidence that Jesus was back. They just didn't understand it. Well, think about it. 2,000 years later, I think... Fear has actually come back into the church and for many Christians, that it has been over these last many months, has revealed some jarring truths about us, about who we are as followers of Jesus. I think it's still a danger today, even coming out of the, the pandemic. There's a lot of things that have happened over the last many months. Most recently, what we're seeing in the Ukraine region, right? we've seen racial injustice, we've seen the political tensions and divisions, We've seen the economic impact that we're still beginning to put our mind around as gas prices are soaring and inflation is at 8.5%. These things all can lead us to being people that are fearful. And then I think as I hear our people talking in our local churches about what does the future offer, so that's why I want to lean into this conversation. And I think true about our, the reality of the world we live in is there's a lot of reasons for people to be afraid. People are afraid because they've been told to be afraid. There's this idea that fear, and we've seen it now even in the primaries, that fear wins elections. They wouldn't run all those negative commercials trying to spread fear about our future, fear that we'd have no hope. Uh, Yet, ultimately, fear is the driving force of much of our political reality today. And so we see here very clearly that fear is the opposite of faith. So in the midst of a challenging time, when the nation is divided, probably more divided than it's ever been, God's people should be the one not to respond or who are driven by fear, but who ultimately show and share the love of Jesus Christ because we can rest in the peace that passes all understanding. And we've talked about this over the last many months. You see here as we lean into this primary election that elections tend to be driven by fear, and we need to be reminded that God's people are driven by the peace of Jesus. We've talked about this before here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, an amazing verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So there's a clear sense here that we can be the kinds of people who are not driven by the fear that drive politics, or the fear that's surrounded so much of what's come out of the pandemic, or even the fear about what the future holds, or in the midst of what a divided nation looks like. Instead, if God's people will look 2,000 years ago We were behind closed doors because of their fear. Then Jesus came and stood among them. And this is an amazing story here. So be reminded that the first point here is that fear silences our witness. And I don't want to leave us there, though, because I want us to see the second point here out of these verses is that peace strengthens our witness. So fear silences it, but why? Because I know there's been some people, and it may not be you, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's an aunt or an uncle, or maybe let's not even talk about us, but there are, have been some people. There's a man. Their social media has looked like they're terrified for the last few months. They're terrified of the future of the reality. They're not living a peace-filled existence that comes because something has changed, because the God of all the universe sent his son to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, and ultimately, yes, God would raise him from the dead. So fear silences that. Fear actually drives us another direction. And that's, I think, what's caught up in so much of our conversations in our communities. The second point is that through peace, it strengthens our witness. You hear these scriptures. It says that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Let me read that again. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, this phrase about the moment we're in does not pause the mission we are on. I think it's very true for the disciples 2000 years ago and it's also very true for us today. The reality is that no matter where we find ourselves, the turbulence of these last couple years, it doesn't change the fact that we've been sent by Jesus Christ on a mission. We're going to see that here in a moment as we unpack a little more of this verse. But here's what I want us to see that the writer John, and be reminded John's an evangelist, right? He's out there sharing the good news. And John's writing in such a way that he wants to persuade people who will read this gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in what we call the Word of God, that they would read this and say, okay, there's something significant going on here. So John doesn't want us to miss what's going on. And that's what Jesus did. So it says, Jesus came and stood among them. Now, he's been bodily resurrected and somehow he shows up behind closed doors. That's kind of crazy, right? There's something supernaturally different about that. And we're about to find out that his body still has the markings of the crucifixion. But then he says, peace be with you. So let those words this morning sink in for you. Peace be with you. Hear the words of Jesus. He says, peace be with you. Now, what's fascinating about this scripture is he didn't just say it once, he says it twice because you see, peace strengthens our witness. And with everyone else running around with their hair on fire, in fact, it's kind of interesting, I don't know if you saw this at Christmas time, the number one toy that was available as an ornament for your Christmas tree was a dumpster fire. Uh, That was sort of an indication that that's uh, sort of where we've been right now. Life is just like that, uh, on fire, and we're not quite sure what to do with it. So here we are just after Easter in 2022, and I, I guess I wonder, if I would ask, what would it look like if God's people were to stand up and then stand out and to stand in the gap? What it would look like is it would be a people who would have a surprising peace when the rest of the world's hair's on fire. Again, think back to this, whether it's social media or maybe it's a relationship that you're in with your friends and neighbors, do they look to you and say, there's something she has, something he has that's different than what I've experienced or what I'm experiencing? So in the midst of these last couple years, I want us to understand that there's something different about who we are. There's a peace that passes all understanding, and that's how we need to operate. Now, this is important, and it's also significant because when God's people look different than the world in the midst of a traumatic time, in the midst of turbulence and tumult, what happens is that people see that, that people will notice that, and that people are actually drawn to that. You know, what's amazing is I think the time we're currently in reminds me of 1968. Although I was a young boy, I can just remember watching on TV. In fact, my parents took us as a family to Chicago just before the Democratic Convention for a family visit. And I can remember being home just weeks after that and watching on TV as all the, uh, the riots that were taking place there. And I remember not too long after that, Uh, that Martin Luther King was assassinated, and so was Bobby Kennedy. And that also, there was another global pandemic that year that was called the Hong Kong flu uh, that spread around the world. And then there was the movement that came out of all of that, where some people decided uh, to reach out to the people called the hippies. And actually in Chicago, there was the Jesus people, where they began to gather for Bible studies and that little coffee houses all over the place And then that began, and I can remember seeing the front page of uh, Time magazine, it talked about the Jesus People Movement. And then from the Jesus People Movement came uh, an amazing group of people that had uh, leaned into a whole new understanding of what life was supposed to be. They understood in a very clear way that there was a peace that passed all understanding, that showed a different way from the way of division in the world all around. So one of the things that I I wish was true about all this is that we somehow as God's people were exempt from all these things. I wish that our churches weren't caught up in the political division right now. I wish we weren't able to get sickness and death. And I can't promise you that none of these things are gonna happen. When it rains, we know that it rains on the just and the unjust. But what I can say to you is that there's this overwhelming abiding presence and promise that comes out of knowing the scriptures and we just need to look one verse further here in Philippians chapter four. We looked at Philippians 4.6, but here in 4.7, he says, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's not the absence of problems here, it's the presence of Jesus that makes it all come together. Again, it's not that problems disappear, it's the fact that Jesus shows up in the midst of our problems. He actually shows up, like in Ephesians 2.4, that he is our peace. So if we name Jesus as Lord, if we are a follower of him, that Jesus is in the scripture to his disciples to say, peace be with you. But he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice. And so here we are 2,000 years later in the midst of all the things we're trying to figure out that we need to, as God's people, exhibit an evidence of God's peace. That it's this idea of peace that strengthens our witness in our community. And those are the words that we want to speak to each other because those are the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples on that night after his resurrection when they were so fearful it's something that God's people have always had to believe and to hold on to again he says back in Isaiah 26 verse 3 you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you so here's the question in a practical sort of way can you trust God in 2022 i know it's it's almost may and we're thinking about what the summer may bring us, and yet we know that the economics of the world right now are kind of crazy, and so are the political tensions, and yet we need to be a witness to the people around us. We need to be a witness, as this church has been in this community for some 204 years, as many other churches have been in our tribe, to be a presence of bringing the hope that we need to offer to those that are are fearful. So I want us to see that it's peace that strengthens our witness. So again, remember the big picture. The moment we're in does not pause the mission we are on. And so we need a a witness that's in this world that we find ourselves in. And so go back to these ideas. Number one, fear silences our witness. And when we're driven by fear, we're not driven by Jesus's mission. And then number two, we need to embrace this idea of peace strengthens our witness. And then number three, this idea that the cross spurs our witness along. Now, remember, we talked a little bit about John, who was the evangelist, that he's the one writing these words to us. John is not just writing these things as random things he wanted to observe. He's trying to make a point or points throughout the gospel that he's writing, and he's doing so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be used to persuade people. Now, the truth is all four of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, These are called the evangelists. So John writes these next words, which I, I think are pretty important, and we don't want to miss. That's why the third point here this morning is that the cross spurs a witness. And what I mean by that is that it spurs on in the sense that it pushes us forward, that it actually gives us courage, that it encourages us to be a witness. John says here in verse 20, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, John includes details here that are important to us, so don't miss these. After he said this, what did he say? He says, peace be with you. So here we remember before, peace strengthens our witness. Then he says he showed them his hands and his side. Now if you're reading this in a hurry, you just went right past all that's been shown here and you saw the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But don't miss this, it's important here. When they saw the Lord, of course, they were overjoyed. I mean, he was dead on Friday, and on Sunday, not so much, right? He's alive. So, of course, they were overjoyed. They were blown away. But John doesn't just say they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. John says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. These were real marks, and these were real scars. You would say you could put your finger here in the marks on my hand, the place where the spear struck his side. Why? Why does John tell us this thing? Because it's true. But also he's reminding us that all of these things, the reason that we don't talk about fear in the midst of all that we've experienced over these last couple years, is that it would drive the fear in a lot of people. So the truth is that these last two years, that our grandchildren are going to talk about it to their grandchildren, right? So we could, in all sorts of ways, draw despair, and discouragement, and it, that wouldn't be unusual. But again, if we lean into this phrase, it's sort of our key idea here is that we know the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on, that we need a, a witness that's in this uh, hurting world. And if we're not caught up in fear, and instead if we're, we're driven by peace that strengthens our witness, that the cross itself becomes our motivation. So for me, over these past couple of years, these are not gonna be great years to write down in the history book, and I'm ready for a new season, and I know you are too. You've told me that, many of you. But in the chapter of the Annals of History, but in the chapter of the Annals of History, and I think you've read this book called the Bible, right? You get to the end of the book, the last page before the maps, and it says very clearly that Jesus wins. And so, because we know Jesus wins, it's because we know that he had victory over the grave. And that's really important. That's the key concept. Last week's message was all about why the resurrection changes everything. I mean, I know my life is based on this truth, and I know yours is as well, I hope. So how could we be afraid? How could we not be filled with peace? Because it's this idea of the cross that pushes us into a whole new understanding and allows us to have a witness to a kind of mentality that actually should be central to how we live our lives. And it was central to the lives of the disciples. See, when we talk about a witness being a witness, we want to talk to people who reflect and who look like and who've been molded in the image and now reflect the image of Jesus. We want people who reflect the reality that we've been changed by Jesus. But that change comes because he showed them his hands and his side. So these disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, not just because he was there, but because he showed them his hands and his side. Because his death and his new life, this resurrection that he's experienced, is that which now 2,000 years later can say to people around us, do not be afraid, peace be with you. And the truth is, if we can make it through the last couple years, you can actually live on mission in a very clear way. I want to be clear that this message is not just about making it through this next year that this witness that we have has changed us by the power of the gospel to become agents of the gospel, to be a difference in the world, to be able to show and to share the love of Jesus. So when the world's upset and it's all coming unglued, when the world's angry, when there's turbulence and tumult, we are people who have been changed by the power of the cross, that the resurrection spurs us to a witness that is bold. And that should change the way we live. Now, it gets us to our fourth point here, which let's remember as we go through this outline. The first one is that fear silences our witness. Point two is that peace strengthens uh, our witness. The third point was that the cross spurs us along in our witness. And the fourth and final point is that Jesus sends us as a witness. That's who we are. We're the witness, and Jesus sends us. Now, I don't want us to miss this. That throughout this whole passage, John, the writer, is leading us to one of the most important phrases in the whole Bible. Forty times in the Gospel of John, when Jesus has actually said he's been sent, he's been sent in different ways. He said, the Father sent me. I've been sent for the Father's purpose. Sent in his name. And then at the end of the Gospel of John, now let's take a look at it and see it right here. Verse 21, peace be with you, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, it's not for the same purpose. Jesus didn't send you to die on the cross for the sins of men and women, but in the same manner. It's actually, in the original language, it means in the same manner. So, in the manner that God sends Jesus, Jesus sends us. And I don't want us to miss this because this is what we do. We go. That's why this series is called Come and See, Go and Tell, Witness. So, let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's hear what Jesus says. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And this is all about the mission of Jesus that he sends us on. Remember, it's this idea that the moment we are in does not pause the mission we are on. We need a witness in a world that's gone crazy. We need a witness in a world that needs our hope. We need a witness in the world that needs the hope of the gospel. That's what we're called to do. That's what God has called us to do. So how do we live that way? Christians are going to have a witness, actually, that we're going to go into a crisis and have already done so in many ways. I think even as we've responded as a church to the need in the Ukraine area with your generosity, it's incredible. You know, we've all been engaged in significant ministry and that we are showing and sharing the love of Jesus all around the world, literally, because of what we do through the church, both local and global. And to be honest, even this little church, we may have, been outside of our building for a number of months, but we still were able to do ministry in an incredible way. Maybe sometimes here or there we've gotten distracted individually. The truth is, as the church, we have been on mission. Why? Because John just told us, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, even so I am sending you. It's interesting, I'm reminded uh, last week we mentioned during our prayer time to pray for the family of Phil Weigel, who was a fireman from. Uh, Wayne County, you know, uh, above Ashland, who was killed in an automobile accident on I-71 as he was doing his job as a fireman. And, you know, one of the things that firemen, as I understand, are trained is they're the ones that run towards the fire and that everyone else runs away. And even as the state patrolman gave a press report of what took place that day, he shared that this firefighter did everything right. And the truth is he actually saved many lives by offering up his own. And you see, that's who we are as God's people. You see, it's the followers of Jesus. We are the ones that run towards the crisis, towards the fire. Not to throw more gas on it, but only to be a witness in a crazy time. And that's what we get to do as Christians in this moment. So again, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. It's one of the commissions of Jesus. Jesus gives us the mission. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. It's interesting in Isaiah chapter six, there's a verse that begins that would be really unsettling to the people today. It goes like this, in the year King Uzziah died. So here's the thing, if I were to say that today, that it was the year the king died, we'd be like, okay, uh, it's no real big deal, we'll get through it. We will have a big ceremony, we'll have a new king. That's not the way it was centuries ago. When a king died, that was a major event because a whole kingdom could fall. All the alliances that the king had put together would be broken and people could go into captivity. And then as the verse goes on, there's this vision that's of power and might and there's angels and seraphim and all sorts of crazy things with a coal. And so there's all these things to follow in this uh, verse here. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, he says, and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said, I said, here I am, send me. So I want to end on this key idea. The moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. We need a witness in a world that's gone crazy. And so I want to invite you to join Jesus on his mission, to be reminded as the Father has sent me, even so he says, I send you. Maybe you need to recalculate some things. Maybe you need to recalibrate how you've been engaging people and all the various things, things you do on social media on what you're doing in your workplace or even what you're doing with your family. But I'm hoping that in doing those things that there's no better place to do it than with the very words of Jesus. Be reminded and remember that fear silences our witness. Do not be afraid. Peace strengthens our witness. Peace be with you, Jesus said. The cross, it's the motivation. It's why we do what we do. It spurs us to a whole different story. And then Jesus sends us on mission as a witness. So today, I believe that God's calling us to stand up and to stand out and also stand in the gap, to show and to share his love and in crazy new ways. The moment we're in, it does not pause the mission we're on. So let's take that moment and let's do it in such an incredible way. Let's be a witness in the midst of a crazy world. And so let's pray. Father, we pray that by your grace and your goodness, you would remind us again and again that we are not to be like the world, filled with factions and anger, division and dissension. Lord, we recognize the turbulence is not always of our own making and certainly not of our own choosing. So Lord, I pray you would remind us that the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. Let us hear the words of Jesus, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. May it compel us to be a witness, a bold witness, that we might respond with the words of the prophet Isaiah, Here I am, Lord, send me. And that's our prayer. Here I am. Here we are. And all of us together, whether we're online or in the building, as we walk this journey in an incredible time, we say, Here we are. Here I am, Lord, send me. We pray it in the strong name of the risen Christ. Amen.